Love a rugby league same-game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same-game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. Barnes are here for another pre-season episode. Season is sneaking up upon us. We only have a couple of weeks and, geez, I tell you what, it snuck up on me because I still have half a dozen teams to get through. So we are going to pound through them with some fantastic guests. This is going to be a first for the pre-season for 2024 because it is the first pre-season podcast episode where it's a three-way. I believe the Lonely Island said it's okay if it's a three-way. That's a pretty good clip. I've got three people on this one. There is me. And the first one, drum roll, Tim Moody, former Supercoach champion and co-host of the Supercoach Experience. Tim, welcome back on the All-Stars podcast, mate. Yeah, lucky you got a three-way on for me, mate, because I don't last very long. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I got your good wingman, Mike, Michael <laughs> Attard. Michael Attard is a, the third guy here, Supercoach Experience co-host as well. Mikey, welcome aboard as well, mate. You're on uh, once or twice last year too. Yeah, third year in a row. So it's uh, good to be back, mate. And I love talking footy and Supercoach. So it's good to be back. Awesome. Well, I mean, you boys are both Penrith supporters. So, I mean, I'm going to feel a bit ganged up on here because it's two on one and I've got some pretty controversial Penrith takes, some of them good and some of them bad. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this one. But before we do, I do need to just lay down all the ground rules for everybody. So for those that have just started listening, maybe for the first time for the All-Stars podcast, these pre-season episodes, we are looking at trying to help you build your team for round one, okay? So certainly there's some players where we might dismiss them a little bit. We're not saying that none of them are relevant at all. It's just we're looking at round one mainly. The second thing is as well, it's just heaps of info, guys and girls, because we're here to give you all the information possible because there are some people in draft teams. There's some people that are in uh, that just want to have different goals and there's some people that like to take different strategies. So we like to give you all the players, large episodes, and then give you all the information, the pros and cons, and you can make your mind up with it. And that's what we're going to do. We do need to have a quick chat about Picklebet. You can go to picklebet.com.au today. They are a fantastic bookie. They often have best odds in market. And when you do, make sure that you sign up and use the promo or affiliate code ALLSTARS or one word. Really important because that way they know to make sure they take great care of you as an ALLSTARS listener and give you some of the best offers, which they often have plenty of. They've also got great NRL markets up at the moment. So have a look at those because I'm really keen on a few of them. Uh, Look, you can go for the best team in New South Wales. And the Penrith Panthers are paying $1.99 for that. Now, I'll tell you what, 2-1 to one for Penrith to be the best team out of the New South Wales teams that are there. That is exceptional as a market, but also the odds for Penny. So I'm all over that one. I'll tell you the other one I'm all over. They've got the top four markets up. And some of the big, I think, value ones, the Roosters are the fourth favourites at $1.83. Now, everyone's going to say, Barnsley are Roosters, man. Yeah, I know, but it's almost 2-1 to one odds. Melbourne Storm, $1.97 to make the top four. 
those are good odds for two teams that could make the top four, and that's what Picklebet's all about. They've got a heap of markets up there at the moment. You can go on there, have a look, and they've got some great value. So jump on picklebet.com.au today. Make sure you use a referral code or affiliate code, it's often called when you sign up. All Stars, they've got great offers there. They'll take great care of you. Of course, always think, is this a bet that you really want to place? For free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Now, continuing the Supercoach chat. Tim, Mikey, the Penrith Panthers. First off, Tim, you you should be feeling pretty confident about this year, I think, but you got the World Club Challenge this week. So feeling pretty good about Penrith this year? Yeah, by the way, I mean, everyone sort of asks, in the off-season, how do you reckon they're going to go? Like, you know, did they do it again? And I don't see why not. Um, you know, they lost a little bit there. Um, Critter's obviously a big game player and has a lot of uh, massive moments in, in the big games. Uh, but, look, I'm really confident with the, the rest of the guys that are there. And I look across the, you know, the opposition and there's a hell of a lot of com- competition in nearly all of the sides. But... You know, there's not many I can confidently say, yeah, they're going to definitely take the Panthers down this year. So I feel good about us. Um, you know, maybe this is the year that someone does um, know us, but I'm sure we'll be competitive most of the season regardless. But mm. uh, may the fourth be with you. And Mikey, I'm, I'm sure that you're just going to say the same as Tim and tell me that you're going to kick our ass and you'll, you'll get another premiership this year, surely. Yeah, I don't like to be a cocky Penrith supporter, but uh, for uh, there's a lot of people that love to hate on Penrith, and um, each year, you know, that after we won one, no, nah, they can't do two, they can't do three, and yeah, like I definitely think it's I'll, I'll be realistic about the situation. Yeah, we definitely we definitely can. I reckon think we can do four, but I do think a few more teams that had a bit of a lean year will be a bit more competitive this year, and it might be a little tougher. I think the Broncos are going to want to shape it up. I like a look at the Roosters. I think the Cowboys can come back. So uh, you never know, but it's just like when um you know the Cowboys had Jonathan Thurston. While we've got Nathan Cleary, uh, I think we're going to continue to be competitive, and uh, they've got that next up mentality. And these young guys that you'll see this year that will debut, I think they're going to do quite a job for the Panthers. So uh, looking forward to it. Well, we've all got something in common there because I'm super confident too. It's just I'm about a different team for me. Uh, <laughs> I get into that. I'll be called a, a you know biased Rooster supporter again. You guys, first of all, you got to put some pride on Australia. You got the World Club Challenge this week as well. Before we talk about the draw, you, can do you reckon you guys can win that one? Because you know the, uh, my Roosters did it back to back a couple of times. We need you to win. You you had that upset against. Uh, Helens. Was, uh, St. Helens last year, yeah, and uh, that was a that was a pretty good game actually. It was brutal. I think it was ten eight or something. It was a lot more grinding than I thought. Wigan this this weekend, you, you need to do this one. You can't lose two of those in a row, surely. Nonchalant last time. I think they said they sort of enjoyed the nightlife a little bit when they went out there as well. So I think that their main business this time, and I reckon we'll be coming away with a win. I totally agree with you. I think um, I don't I don't think they took them as serious last year. Uh, we also suck in the rain. And it was pissing down. I was live at that game last year and was very disappointed. So, if it's a wet wet day or wet night in um you know England that night, uh, I'm going to be a little bit nervous. But I really think they want to add that trophy to the collection, and they'll you know they'll they'll come out pretty strong. But I think it's also going to be a good game to analyze from a super coach uh, perspective. As if you're keen on a few of these Panthers uh, and they're playing this weekend, you know you'll see them a bit of full flight as they basically name close to a full strength side. I'm assuming when they name it. Well, let's talk draw first, and particularly for Supercoach. So, uh, I mean, three of the first five for Penrith are actually away, 
and that's not the best, obviously. Uh, but one of the things that strikes me with it is they've got the round six bye, and the five games prior to that round six bye, I don't think are particularly easy. So they start off in round one with Melbourne, and that's going to be at Amy Park. They do have Parra at home and Brisbane at home, but both those sides are going to be pretty decent. And then they've got the Roosters away and then Manly away. Now, that Manly game, they do have a pretty good record against Manly. I'm you know, a little bit worried about that one if I don't have some of the Panthers' big guns, but that one comes right before a bye anyway. They do come out of that bye and hit the Tigers and the Cows. Uh, they don't have another bye until round 16, so certainly that big bye around round 13 is going to be pretty relevant for the non-Origin players. But I sort of looked at it and went, you know, this has started to give me some confidence with uh, leaving some big-name guys out. I'm not going to name them yet because we're going to go through the players soon. But to me, it, it wasn't a draw that said, you know, I want to stack up on Panthers. And predominantly the last couple of years, they have started a bit slow. So when you factor that in and you look at the draw, I don't think, Mikey, that you look at it and go, I'm hugely confident for Supercoach that we're going to come out on a flyer, especially when you've got the World Club Challenge before it as well and stuff. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. It's important to note there, I've got a few stats for you here. The against Melbourne, Craig Bellamy actually hasn't lost a round one game. Uh, like they haven't lost one under him. So we go to Melbourne to try and break that stat. And then against Parramatta and Brisbane, who are the next following two games, they actually both beat Penrith at home last year. So you look at those first three and you go, oh, you know, Parramatta's always a bit of that bogey side. I think it'd be like low scoring. Back to that, and then, yeah, as you say, the Roosters and then Manly. I look at that first five, and I'm thinking the exact same as you um, to kind of, you know, you don't maybe you can antipod a few of these guys. But, um, yeah, as a Panthers fan, too, a little little nervous looking at that. But I guess you want your team to get uh, tested pretty pretty early on. Yeah, I kind of, from a super coach point of view, it sort of makes – I'm sort of in the – probably not going to start with Cleary camp, not because I don't think he's capable, but just – so I want to sort of spread my cash elsewhere. Um, so for Supercoach, because they are tougher games, I'm sure he'll play well. But I could imagine, you know, the bigger tons might be harder to come by. So, you know, you might be expecting more sort of, you know, 70s to 110s. And there's some, those sorts of scores you can miss out on. Um, from a footy perspective and for, for the Panthers, I don't mind that they've got like, the first five games are really hard. There's Storm, Eels, who are bogey side, um, Broncos, Roosters, Manly. The good thing about that is, like, if you want you want to play those tougher teams early when I think they're still gelling and stuff. Like, it might be a bit of a blessing to get them while they're not as um, got a bit of momentum under their belts. And then you know we'll start once the competition starts, the team start to playing a bit, playing well. We'll uh, have easier. Draw, so it could work out for us. Yeah, the other thing too, though, is that even though you might cop a couple of losses, like it's it's good, I think, to have those harder teams. I agree with you at the start because I think that it really gets you going yeah. a lot quicker. Like, you know, if, if you're beating a team by by twenty or more, like the, the Panthers can do against some of the lower teams early, you're not really going through your paces to the nth degree. You're not really crisping up your plays. You're not really playing them in the same rotation sometimes as well. And you just you're just not going as hard, and I think that it's good for them yeah. in a real life perspective to have that early. And the other thing too is that you've got a healthy team. Like you don't want to be hitting the good teams in the middle when you've got Origin players out or when you've got injuries. You know, everyone's healthy to start the year basically, and I think that that's a good time to be hitting the the top team. So from a real life perspective, I agree with you, boys. To me, 
I looked at it and went, you know what? There's a real sweet spot for Penrith, and it's not for round one. So some of these, a lot of these guys, I'm not that interested in to start with. But round seven, they hit the Tigers and then don't have a buy until round 16. And that includes a big buy around around 13. So I looked at that seven to to 15 rounds and went, you know what? That's a really good spot. They Round seven onwards, they go Tigers, Cows, Souths, Dogs, New Zealand, Sharks, Dragons, Eagles, and Newcastle. Now, it's not the easiest. There's a few good teams in there, but there's also a few lower teams. And some teams that traditionally Penrith can score well against. And then you do get a buy cover as well in round 13 for those non-origin guys. So, uh, look, I, I mean, I think that there is a pretty good spot there. Um, but, look, I do want to talk about the gains and losses really quickly. The gains and losses for, obviously, the big one is going to be that they've lost Crichton. Um, that was a big one for this year. And it seems every year for a few years now, they're, they're losing a big name. Uh, they've also got Zach Hosking, who's gone over to the Raiders, uh, Tom Jenkins, Spencer Lenu was quite a big one for them as well. And Salmon's been in the 17, pretty much cemented for a while. So there's some losses there and they haven't really brought anyone in that I think is going to be in the 17. There's talk to Dane Laurie might, but I think it's unlikely at the moment. Yeah, I guess Taylor May's come uh, back though as well. Yeah. So that one doesn't stand out. No, that's very true. I mean, they're probably they'll get him back, so that helps them out offset a little bit. But I mean, they've got three or four guys out of their seventeen that are going, and may, basically may coming back from injury, and that's probably the only difference. So to me, they are they do look a bit weaker. But you know, do you guys see it that way, or you think that their roster is pretty much as strong as what it was? Oh, all those guys that we did lose, like Hosking was super handy. Even Salmon got, did a job for us. I mean, he was no finesse or anything like that. But and Lino as well, like. It is a fair bit of a loss, but the young guys are coming through. Like they're all big players, and I trust that the Panthers know what they're doing in getting rid of the right guys and to make way for the guys that are up and coming. So it's going to be a mad challenge for us this year, and each year seems to be a new challenge, and that's cool. But I think we'll still be super competitive, and I'm, I'm I hate to sound like super confident, but I think we've got one more in us. Very hard to win another one in a row, though. And that's probably the other thing against him. You know, history is against that. But, like, Mikey, I've still got him pinned for top three. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to get the minor premiership or win the grand final. So some Penrith fans might think that I'm being uh, a little bit well, not generous enough or respectful enough to their record than what they've done the last few years. But it just it speaks really, Mikey, to how good they've been, doesn't it, when I'm being disrespectful if I say they'll be top three and not win the grand final. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, um, and you know that all that kind of stuff's only going to fuel Penrith. So the fact the way the way it work, I see it working is if they can somehow jag a top two spot and get to that final series like they did with the past two, they've got the experience into a finals in, in the finals kind of environment. So you, they win that first week, and then they're in through to the four people left. They get through the grand final again, then I think they can get it done. So they finish top two. Uh, I reckon. I reckon we can get it done again, but um. Kind of back on the signings, I think the guys that they brought in, like the fringe first graders, I think a lot of those guys are going to be pretty key come origin time and stuff like that. Like I think Jordan Grant's a handy pickup. Same with, you know, Snyder could be handy. I like Laurie. And on top of that, Paul Adam Lottie can be a sneaky one. So yet again, Penrith have been pretty good over signing the past few years at just signing guys at just, you know, the right price to kind of plug a hole. And the ones that they've been plugging a hole, look at Sorensen last year when people thought, oh, we lost kick our, um, that's going to be a problem there. And we just found the guy to slot right in for half the price. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same for these guys too. 
Yeah, they have been very good at that. That's a really good point with the younger guys coming through. They've, they've got a very good system and they've developed guys well and brought them through. So, uh, I, and I'm certainly not writing them off. Like, I, I think they're a genuine chance of winning it and they're one of the contenders and one of the top few teams in the competition. And I, I'm very confident that they'll be there again. For the super coach options, let's start off with the guns. And obviously, the biggest gun is going to be Nathan Cleary. He comes in at 912,500, averaging 89 points in 2023. That's up more than 10% from his 80 points in 2022. And I always say right off 2021, but that was 108 points. And even back to 2020, he's doing 83. He's doing 80 plus every year. That's that's just going to keep happening. When you're having a look at it, though, around 43% ownership at the moment, and there's probably two trains of thought. There is you leave one of Cleary and Nico out and use that money elsewhere or you have to start with both of them. And that seems to be the two camps. Now, I'm going to go out and say it, and this is no disrespect to Penrith or Nathan Cleary. I think he's a tremendous player and one of the best super coach options. I think that Hines is a must, and I've got him ahead of Cleary. I was talking to someone about this on Central, a couple of different people on two different posts, actually, and they were like, why? And I was like, well, it's really, really simple. Like, you don't even have to get complicated about it. Hines scores more points than Cleary does per game. And he's done that the last couple of years and he's got a far better draw, you know, and when it comes down to those two things, it's it's pretty easy to me. But when you unpack the numbers, the first two games, the last two years, he went 53 and 40 and 30 and four and 57, the first couple. Now two is a small sample size, but it's happened for a couple of years now. And if you, you know, get rid of that 2021 season, that was a big outlier. It's happened more often than not really that the Panthers have started a bit slow and it's no coincidence that Cleary has as well. And his first month of averages just aren't that good when you have a look at it against the opposition that he's got. We spoke about Melbourne. His average is 61 against them. It's a bottom three average against them. Um, Against Parramatta, his average career is 59. You know, that's equal worst average against any team. So you look at those couple of early matchups of Melbourne and and Parramatta and you go, geez, that's pretty rough. And the Broncos, he's actually got a really good track record against averaging 85, but that's still below what he's priced at. Uh, and the Roosters at 79, you know, 10 points below what he's priced at. The Eagles is a worry game um, because he has had some big ones against them in the past. But overall, you know, the numbers kind of stack up that you can leave Cleary and I'm going to be doing that this year and I'm, I'm pretty much set on it. So I want to go to Mikey first on this one because I already know that Tim's thinking the same as me. Mikey, how do you feel about me and, and me and Tim thinking that we're going to leave Nathan Cleary out for round one. You aren't going to believe it, but I come into this podcast today thinking I was the only one out of the three of us that were going to be doing that. So um, I did the same. <laughs> yeah, I've had, like, as a Panthers fan, it just shows you, that, especially with the way that me and Tim play, that, you know, when you play Supercoach, sometimes you've got to separate, you know, take take your heart out of it sometimes and use your head. And although I think he's, you know, you're going to have to own him at some point. And I've had him probably in my team all the way up until maybe one week he's been out of my side. As I've started to look, we got a lack of cheapies. Um, you know, you're going to have to go the mid-ranger route. And it's like, I want to try and spread that cash and go elsewhere. And I think at 42%, you can duck him. All those points that you just said, I think are all valid. You can duck him, go for some other ones. Because you, you start hitting up all these other halfbacks that, you know, I say, oh, I don't want to go a cheapie. I want to go someone that I think is going to outscore Cleary. Uh, or go close to him at obviously a cheaper price point. And you'll be snatching those guys up from about like 3% to 10% owned. So I think it could be a good way to make just an early jump. But with that, maybe two, 300K you've saved, you're stacking that and strengthening up another position. So 
Um, just to kind of warrant what you said, Barnsley, with the points, um, it's important to note the last games that he played against a Storm Para in Brisbane, he scored 103, 109, and 125. Uh, both games last year above 75 against Eels, and both games, or actually yeah, 53 in there against the Broncos. So the last few, the only difference there is those three big tons uh, all back end of the season, which makes a different note, but it just shows you that it doesn't matter who Cleary versus sometimes. Um, don't get me wrong. At this stage, I'm not starting with him, but every game I watch him, it's going to be hard because I want the Panthers to do well, but I just, you don't want him to set the world on fire because if he does um, and you're not in that 42% ownership, it's it's going to sting. Yeah, it is. And it, look, I I would never say to anyone that just, who's decided on Cleary that not to get him. Like it's certainly a good option and he's not going to score bad anyway. Like he's still going to score well. It's just a matter about how well he's going to score. And if you think that you can limit his impact not being in your team because he's going to score, you know, 70s and you're going to make good options with your other picks with that money, then you can kind of alleviate that. Uh, the start of the season is a big thing for me. Like I just don't think that Penrith are normally firing at the start of the season and Cleary just isn't with the numbers that he's shown. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tim, is this basically your thought process with it and you wanting to spread the money and not liking the start? For me, ideally, I'd want to start with him. Like, I've, he's come in and out of my side. I'd back him to defy those first two score rods, you know, more often than not, that you mentioned over the last two years. But for me, I had him when Jaden Campbell was available at 5'8". I thought I'd rather have Cleary for an extra 200k than Brown, um, even though you've got to pay up for it. But then when Jaden Campbell went down, the only replacement for me at 5'8 for the main was going up to Dylan Brown, which meant then I had to, you know, sacrifice Cleary and then spread a little bit of that extra money elsewhere. So, yeah, I don't love going against it, but I'm not sort of super scared of it either. But then again, as soon as he puts out a big time, we'll be getting him in next week and we'll be, you know, ripping our teams apart to do it. Yeah, and look, I think that segues into a really good point. I think that if you're not going to start with these guys, and by the way, like this is something that everyone, especially new super coaches, need to understand. You can't start with all the best players. You have to make sacrifices. So it's always going to be calculated sacrifices. It's never going to be these guys you're leaving out you don't want or you don't think are going to be any good. It's just about strategy. And with that strategy, I think with Nathan Cleary especially, he's going to be one of the top players in the game. So if you're not going to have him to start the year, you need to have a strategy and plan in place of when you're going to get him because you can't wait until it's getting towards the origin period either. You really have to have a plan in place. So, for example, my plan uh, is to have Mitchell Moses and he is going to hit a decent matchup with the Dolphins in round seven, but the Panthers have the Tigers, so I don't really care that Moses is playing the Dolphins. I'm trading Mitchell Moses to Nathan Cleary in round seven. That that misses the, the start of the season for the Panthers with the tougher games. It misses the round six bye, and they won't have another one. Uh, well, Cleary will be out for origin, but you get a good couple of months in there. That's probably ideal for us people not going with him, hey, to pick him up at round seven. But I reckon if he has a massive game in the first game or something like that, we might be going, geez, we might need to just get him in. Well, yeah, that makes it hard too, doesn't it, Mikey? I mean, but the thing is too, like it's sort of – you're going to either live by the sword or die by the sword, I think, because like if he has a massive, say, second game, you know in three weeks he's going to be on a bye. So, I mean, I think you've got to just – you just got to grit your teeth and, and just live with it just about, well, that's what I'm going to do. Mikey, I think that, like I've said, I'm getting Mitchell Moses. The other part of the strategy isn't just picking when you're going to get clear in and how it's going to happen for you, but it's also who the other player is. Because we can all say, look, 
I'm not going to argue with anyone if their strategy is going to be to miss out on Nathan Cleary round one, but if someone's going to miss out on Nathan Cleary to have, uh, you know, one of these fifth string halfbacks or something, because they want Drew a Matt Hutchinson. Burton at halfback or Probably Drew Hutchinson, the example. Yeah, then, then I don't think you can do that. So it's about who you pick, isn't it, as well, and how you make up those points and spend that money. Yeah, totally agree. I'll be doing the same strategy as you. I think if you choose not to start with him, you're going to pick him up at round seven, unless maybe what Tim happened, if he goes and puts up two 150 scores against Melbourne and Para, then that's probably one of the only things where I'll go, okay, crap, uh, screwed up here. I've got to bring him in for the Broncos, Roosters and Manly. Uh, but I think that's the only way. But I think you'll live and die by the sword. And yeah, picking a guy, I'm kind of thinking if I if I want Dylan Brown, I'm not going to go Mitch Moses. I'm thinking a little bit more potty. I'm thinking of at this stage, I'm thinking of someone like Sammy Walker, which is a bit of a crazy one, but I've got a bit of a gut feeling with him. So I'm thinking someone that, although they might have a tough matchup too, but if I'm going to save 300K on the purchase, uh, then at the same time, he's still got potential to make that to close the gap to bridge to Cleary. So uh, like you said before, Barnes, it's all about if you're not doing something, what's your contingency plan? And what are you going to do if it fails? And what are you going to do if it succeeds? So I think that's like anything in Supercoach, right? It is. And I will say, I've brought this up a couple of times on the preseason podcast. Supercoach has made it a lot easier for us to fix our mistakes because we have those boosts and we have so many of them. So exactly it right. used to just kill you if you went far out. Nathan Cleary is now not nine twelve, but a million dollars and it's round four and I need him now. How do I get him in? you got boosts now. You know, so it's it's a lot easier to do that, uh, and especially early in the season, I think, as well. So some of that stress is alleviated. And I, what I will say is if you're going to miss Nathan Cleary, and I think that I'll get a, a three-way consensus here, if you're going to miss Nathan Cleary, everyone, make sure you've got Hines. Because if you don't have both of them, yeah, you are, you've got to be totally mad, don't you? 100%. It's not even there. I don't think it's even a question. You, you have to have Hines if you're not having Cleary. Yeah, for sure. And Timmy, do you reckon that Hines is above Cleary? Because I mean, I've got him there. Like I, I have, I have said to people, like you know, when they pick Cleary and not Hines, that they should change that. Like I won't talk anyone out of having Cleary if they want them, if they want Cleary for round one. But I have talked them out of choosing Cleary over Hines. Yeah, I think he definitely is, especially with the draw. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with you know, didn't he get a mad game in the All Stars? Uh, Sav's told me he still scored about seventy three, and I'm sure that's all right. Oh, yeah, I think he's way better. I think Nathan, if he had a mad, like a daily M year, he could outscore him. But I think um, Nico seems to always have just a little bit on him. Yeah, and you've got to take the draw into account too, right? Like like we said at the start, everyone, this is for the start of the season. And, you know, it it could very well be that, you know, Hines could average 120 for the first two months and then average 50 and could reverse. And then Cleary's averaging 120 for a month and, and Hines is averaging half that. You know, it's... It's one of those things where you've got to pick and choose the runs to and when you're going to not have guys and when you're going to pick them up as well. We do need to move on. I did want to spend a lot of time on Cleary, though, because he is the most uh, contentious one and, and the one that's being talked about the most for pre-round one team discussion. Brian Toto has put up another great season in 2023, 71 points per game. I did think that he would bounce back. Uh, I said last year when it first opened, I actually wanted him as my first pink center wing and... I ended up not doing it because I couldn't spend the money, but he went from a 59 average in 2022 to a 71 in 2023. So in 2020, he was 59 as well, and he had that 84 in 2021. And I think that we all got excited in 2021 that he was this base stat beast and he was scoring all these tries and that he was going to be the best center wing I've ever seen. And then 2022 happened, and I think that there was a few rumblings in the super coach world that went, 
well, was that just an outlaw? You know, is Toto not actually as good as what we saw in 2021? And even though 71 was far from his 84, it was still elite. It was still, uh, you know, a top four keeper type center wing guy. Uh, but he is also coming in with that draw. Now, obviously, he's got the great base and everything. Um, but even when you look at that base, like it's it's a 35 raw base, um, which is one of the best that you'll get in the center wing and certainly the best that you'll get for a winger. But when you took into account his tackle breaks and his offloads, he's going to have a base-base attack of 56. Now, that gives him his great floor. But he's someone else too that if you look at the start of last season, he went 43, 67, 57, 65. He turned up in round six. But I have to say, um, I'm feeling a lot better about leaving someone like Brian Tyo out because he did have, not even just for the draw, but he did have four tons, but all the tons were barely getting there. So it was between 100 and 112 points. Now, we didn't have any low scores, which is always great for him. His lowest was 43. But he's one of those guys where I just think it's very easy to leave him out uh, and to look at some other value in center wing because he's going to obviously come in really expensive at 720000 And I think that there's some other options that are just better with a better draw to start with that have the bigger ceiling. So I don't mean to write off Tai Mikey, but I love him. I'm probably going to try and buy him at one point but it's just going to be really awkward to start with him. And I actually think it's going to be pretty awkward to buy him at some point if he ends up getting his origin jersey back too. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, like Tall is always someone that you look to finalise your centre wing and you always want him in there. But you're right, he will be, he'll be tough to grab. And I think if you wanted to spend that much money on a centre wing to start with, you'd go for like, you know, spend a similar amount of money on someone like Val Holmes that offers goal kicking and a better draw and not an early buy. Um I guess if you didn't have uh, the early buy and a better draw, then would be, you know, having a totally different conversation right now. But yeah, other than that, like you're going to want to pay pay up for him at some point, but it might be a little hard till, till later. And like you said, like, you know, you want to pick up a few of these Panthers guys are uh, for, for their buy, but it's just so hard picking who's going to get chosen for origin. You've got a different blues coach now and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of Penrith blokes that will put their uh, hand up to to get selected for that. So, and make some of these guys hard to target from the first round. Yeah, Tim, have you looked at Brian Toto? Because to me, I'll, I'll say it outright. A couple of years ago, I, I thought he was the best winger in the world, and he's obviously fallen off and uh, a little bit for that and everything. But um, he's sort of come back up, and I think that he will get chosen for Origin, and it does make it tricky to to buy him, as me and Mikey said, doesn't it? Yeah, I haven't even had him into my thoughts at all pre-season just because I was, you know, chucking in so many cheapies, still spending money elsewhere. I've only recently just started to uh, look at spending a bit of money at centre winger and got a primo guy there, but he's not one of the guys I was even thinking about. I'd be tossing up between Marju or uh, Val Holmes as the primo guy at that sort of money. I just reckon... Uh, I've got Marju at the moment as well. Yeah, so Tyler's awesome. Um, he just doesn't seem to score enough tries in that Panther side. They sort of their tries come all over the field. And is is he gonna be outside of May or um no I don't think I imagine he's gonna be on the right. May will be on the left. But I that's just what I've imagined. I haven't looked into it too deeply. What's your thoughts, Mikey? Oh he keeps he kept sw- uh, like switching throughout the end of last year. So it's very tough like at the same mm. time I feel like they liked the Taruva and Tago partnership. And I've got a feeling that, yeah, he may partner May. But um, I guess we'll get a better indication of it uh, this weekend, which is, the you know, the greats of it. But I guess uh, they showed last year, like, Toto can be pretty versatile. And, you know, it'll just be interesting now what their game plan of attack is going to be, missing out on their strike weapon in Crichton. So 
they might switch it yet again. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think I actually agree with you. I think they want to keep Targo and um, Tariva together. So to me, it's it, it's another flag for Toto because I think that May might take a bit of time to get used to just being back in footy as well as playing in centre instead of on the end of the Panthers line on the wing. So that's another one. But Edwards is the next guy on the gun list, and there is a lot of guns for Penny. 69 points. It was equal best average he's had. The last time he did that was 2020. He had a phenomenal year. I think that everybody's giving him credit now, so I don't think he's underappreciated anymore, which is great for him. Uh, but I actually think that he started to get overappreciated in that people were sort of... I guess uh, giving him too much credit as far as getting picked for, you know, to start at fullback for Australia. And I mean, that's arguable, but some people were adamant about it and also saying he was one of the best fullbacks in the game as well. And you should have him over some of these other stars. I don't have him with the tier one fullbacks. He scored the same as what Teddy did last year at 69 points a game. But certainly um, when you're paying 705,000, I think that you just, you know, I'll, I'll make it real quick. I'm going to give him two huge respect. 10 out of his 23 games were 70 plus. That's elite. Like you're looking at 70 plus as much mm. as you can. He also showed a ceiling with a 163 and a 122. It's not that he's not any good. It's just that you, I can't possibly put him over guys like uh, a Ponga, a Gutherson outperforming last year. Turbo will always outperform if he's healthy. And we have all these other options like a Pappenhausen on a reduced price if he's goal kicking. Mm. To me, it's not about disrespecting Edwards. It's just that if he was playing a different position or these other guys weren't playing, you'd have him, but he doesn't, and these other guys are there. I think he just lacks individual um, attacking pizzazz, you know what I mean? He complements the Panthers' side. He's really good defensively. I think he could plug him into the Blues' fullback role or an Australian fullback role, but I, I even would prefer someone with a bit more attacking individualism as well. Someone that can also complement a side and fit into the back line, but also have their own big moments. But I think he sort of lacks those. And I think that's why it doesn't translate to super coach. You get those 70s because he's, you know, doing a lot of work and he's um, in, a, in a fair bit, but, you know, he's not icing a lot of the bigger plays. Yeah, Mikey, he's got a 50 base base attack, which is a great floor. But the problem is with his ceiling, and he did have a couple of big scores I gave him credit for, but... His clutch attack, which is his, all these assists, line breaks and tries, is 20 per game. And that's decent, but it just doesn't stack up with the other big tier one fullbacks, really, does it? That's that's the main thing. He's just got too much competition at that spot. I've never owned Edwards in Supercoach and always wanted to, but it's just more so there's always a better option. Um, don't get me wrong. If for some reason we get around to the buy period, they play the Dragons, and he's um for some reason or he doesn't get picked for the Blues again, then you might look at uh you know which Savs likes to do on our podcast play fullback roulette. You might want to bring Edwards in for that little run of the Dragons, and they play Manly depending on how Manly's going. And both of those games are at home at Penrith, which Edwards seems to like to go go hard against. So um, that might be a time when I look at Edwards. But as you said earlier, like, you know, we're thinking about from round one and it's just a complete no for me. Yeah, for me, I'll have a look in round 13 for that buy and he could be a premium option then, uh, provided he's not playing Origin. And the other thing that he's going to be really useful for is he he will probably be underappreciated in draft and you'll get him in decent spot in the earlier rounds, but certainly not the first couple, I wouldn't think, in draft. And that would be pretty good for Edwards as well. Isaiah Yao, one of the leaders of the Penrith Panthers, 69 points per game in 2023, actually went up by three points a game, 5% increase on his average, and matched his 2020 69 points per game, which is the best that he's done. So, look, he's going to be turning uh, 30 at the end of the year, 
I actually thought he was older. He's still only 29 years old. And I'm going to go out here, boys, and say something a bit controversial. He's 700K. Um, but look, I've considered other guys that are sort of in that 640 to 700 type of price range as sort of a foundation secondary forward to, to go with all these cheap ones. And I don't think that Yo gets talked about enough for that. Like, I, I do think that he's earned it. I do think that he can repeat his 69 points per game from last year. I'm not going to start with him, but with a 54 raw base and with the minutes that he plays as a basically an 80-minute 13, you don't get that very much. And I don't think that he's going to slow down at 29 years of age. I think we can expect basically the same. And the draw doesn't affect him much because he just doesn't score. Like, he scored four tries last year. That's about on par. Um, and he was just going to have no low scores. You know, he had a lower 43. His next lowest is in the 50s last year, and he's durable. 20-plus games, three years in a row. That's a decent foundation just to set and forget and pay for those points that are edging towards that 70 elite per game. So I actually think he's an option, even though I'm I'm not going to get him. If you wanted to spend, I think he's a consideration, Timmy. I don't think he could spend that sort of money at second row to start the year on many players, to be fair, with the amount of mid-rangers that are available. Later on in the year, maybe he's not he's not someone I've ever really considered. I, I sort of prefer second rowers with a bit more try scoring upside for super coach. But yeah, he, his scores were kind of went a bit under the radar for me when I was going through second rowers and reviewing that for the experience podcast. I was pretty surprised how consistent his scores were. I'm just sort of one of those suckers that really needs to see a few tons along the way to sort of rope me in. And that's fair. He, he doesn't really have any any tons in him. Um, he just he doesn't score enough um, clutch attack points. But I, like I, I'm with you. Like I'd rather not spend there. Um, and if I do, I do prefer to have the bigger ceiling. But yeah, if I was going to spend there, and my strategy was I wanted someone consistent points, it is something he provides. And he went under the radar for me. Like Mikey, did you look at his numbers and go through them and go, wow, there's no hundreds there, but geez, it's super consistent and maybe people should consider him a bit more. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of thought along those lines, but going back to what Tim said, then I go and have a look at a guy at a similar price point and go, okay, this guy's scoring double the amount of tries that he does. Maybe I'll get five points less of base and I'm always going to kind of go for those guys. Uh, pick guys that are a bit of a hole runner and go through it. But at the same time, if you're looking for a guy just to, you know, pump you out some, some raw base and, I think, you know, he's, he's going to stay in pod territory for most of, you know, most of the year. But, yeah, it always kind of goes back to I'd rather find a guy that does that with a bit of base for a cheaper price because uh, you just can't have them all. And, but I guess, you know, match fitness is a big thing. And as you said, 20 games, in a, you know, three years in a row is pretty, pretty big. So might be a sneaky pod for, for later on. But, yeah, I just don't think there's any way you could do it from round one with the amount of mid-range options we have this year. They kind of make up for the lack of cheapies. So I think really your hands are tied there and you've got to go as many of those guys as possible. Yeah, that's a fair call as well. Look, I'm, I'm just going to go straight to the other second rowers that he's got there in front of him when he's packing down at lock because I'm going to be heaps controversial here. Um, and this is where I give the Penrith Panthers, Panthers a bit of super coach love, guys. Big ball's pod time. They've got three. And I've kind of seen a bit of value in all of them. I'm going to start with Sorensen, though, because he sort of caught the league by surprise last year. He's he's averaged 30s and 40s. And then after the first few weeks of footy, he had his role change and he got given a, a starting jersey. And I think a lot of the super coach world kind of held off because I was like, oh, look, you know, Scotty Sorensen hasn't really shown much. And does he lose his job? What happens? 
he ended up scoring 66 points a game last year. Um, now, that was pretty unheard of. And then he came out and scored a 175-point game in round 11 versus the Roosters, which was insane. He just he had a huge season, and he's actually going to come in this year super expensive. So, I mean, Big Ball's pod, for those that don't know, that it's beyond a pod. It's a guy that's going to be owned by not just under 10%, but likely under 5 and probably under 3% of teams. And it just it, it's not someone that anyone's going to really look at very much, but has that potential upside just to jag uh, a real diamond in the rough and get some big scores. Tim, I know it's a bit crazy, but I looked at the numbers and I never considered Sorensen before, okay? But when I looked at it, I went, you know what? He's got two 25- and 30-minute bench games to start the year, and then he got an 80-minute starting role. When you're looking at his 70-plus-minute games last year, he actually averaged 77. Like, he was 11 points better when he got his starting job and was playing 70-plus minutes. And only included three tries in that run. And out of those nine games that we're looking at, it's a sample size. You know, there, was a, there was a low score of 44 and a high score of 175. Um, so he did have that big one in there. But even still, all the numbers sort of say that if he's locked into an edge role playing 80, he's sort of 70-plus at a minimum. And he's got even a bit of upside from that. So I, I can't do it. But I tell you what, if somebody went, you know what, balls to the wall, Tim, I'm going to do it. It's 676K. He might actually surprise a few teams and um, and sneak under the radar again and average better than his 66 last season. Yeah, I think that you'd want to sort of be aiming for one of those close to 175 scores. I think that was, you know, quite possible. Uh, just the draw puts me off. We sort of said the first five games are tough. I don't know. I, I just couldn't do it to start with. I think he's a mad option now. Like he sort of came into um, an option at last year and I think it's someone we should look at at some point, but not to start. Yeah, Mikey, do you reckon that he's he's got that like an 80-minute edge roll locked down? Well, I'll just ask you about Martin too because he's the next guy on the list. Like, it's really hard because if they've got a, a Luke Garner on the bench or even some of these other players or even a Mav Guy, you know, what's the role for Martin and Sorensen? Can they both be playing 80? I, I don't know if they can and who loses out because both of them seemed to need 80-minute roles last year but didn't some weeks just because of injury and stuff. So how does this shape out for Scotty Sorensen and Liam Martin? A great question because they're both kind of players that just seem to get better and better. And I think Sorensen can go to another level. He started playing good and I got worried that he was going to sign with the Knights there. Obviously, re-signed, so trust Penrith. And although I don't, like, I think he could play 80 on quite a few weeks, the same as Martin, but I think they'll do what they did last year. And when needed, you know, they'll come off a little 10-minute stints and all this kind of stuff and they'll rotate him around. And the big watch will be who will take Linu's spot. If it becomes Mav Gaia, then I'd be a little bit more worried. If it's Liam Henry, who mainly plays in the middle, then I think that'd be both better for Sorensen getting those high minutes on average. But at the same time, like you, we just spoke about Isaiah Yo before, you put them both of those guys up next to each other, one's 25K cheaper. I'd be taking the punt on Sorensen over Yo just because of the upside. And they love hitting that left side. And I think that's going to continue again this season. And he's just got you know, runs a good line and that tackle busting ability. So um, yeah, it's 676k. And if you're a little bit worried that he's not going to get 80 minutes all the time, it's hard to start, but that's why I prefer just to like watch real closely the first six, uh, five rounds. And then for round seven, depending on his price point, you might jump on in for the Tigers game when they head uh, up to Bathurst. Yeah. And that, that will probably be the story on a lot of these guys. I do think the nice thing with Sorensen is that when you have a look at him, the draw doesn't matter as much like because he's got a 46 raw base 
and that's pretty good for an edge back row. And he's come from a middle type of role that he's had in the past too. So he's got that work ethic and he's got a 58 base base attack. So he's just got a good floor anyway. That's not going to be too affected by matchups, but uh, I, I like what you said about the bench. Cause I, I think that if we have someone like Sonny Luke along with, oh, you know, like you said, Liam Henry, um, Lindsay Smith and, and then they'll have Garner, Lindsay Smith. Like, yeah, it, it it doesn't shape up too badly for him with the three Fords um, because we also know that, you know, either Sorensen or Martin can play a few middle minutes too. So, I mean, like Martin is the other one I looked at, and I do want to mention him because he's a value one out of it, but he's also the one that just seems to not quite get there. Like we keep thinking he might be a gun, and 58 is actually the best average he's had, but he's never gone into the 60s. And he's got a, a far worse pace at 38, but he comes in sub 600K, Timmy. So he's someone who is reasonably cheap if you want to spend – an extra hundred grand on someone that's not in the mid range category. And four of his 15 games were actually low minute bench games. So similar to Sorensen, you got that inbuilt value because of his role last year, because he kept getting hurt and he was out and playing on the bench and playing reduced minutes. In his 11 games where he wasn't doing that, he was averaging 66 points, you know, eight points better than where he's at and, and fully fledged gun. So, I mean, like both of these guys seem to have that in them. And like Martin is pretty cheap at that price if he can do you know, mid-60s type of category as well. But I guess, Tim, it's about the role as well and mm-hmm. how we sort of see that shaking out. Yeah, I think if you've got like a, a gut feeling on him and you're particularly keen on him, then, you know, at that price, it's not a bad thing at all. I hate to sound like a broken record, but like just the, the mid-ranges that are available at second row particularly, I just think that I'd rather go down to the mid 400 Ks and go with, you know, some of these better guys like Pierre Kura's lanes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't think you can miss out on those guys and that's the caveat. What's the makeup of your second row? Do you have all these guys that you need to have? Um, if some of them don't get named though, it's going to be interesting because you might run out of them. I know it doesn't look like it, but if it happens, then you're going to be, have to be freeing up some money and looking at guys in the 500s. And I reckon you could do worse than taking a punt on Liam Martin. Like I actually think that Martin and Sorensen, I'm not going to start with them, but I am interested to watch them. And I will say that they, it would not surprise me if they ended up outscoring guys like Cameron Murray, who I've looked at. You know, Cameron Murray's got the name cachet and the value and everything, but these guys could actually outscore him. But we do need to move on a bit. Um, Rising guns to River. He showed a lot last year. It didn't quite translate to super coach Mikey. So, I mean, I like the look of him. He's going to come in at over 500K as a center wing, but it's only a 51 average. He looked like a guy that was a 60-plus guy that didn't average 60-plus Mikey. He did that with a 31 raw base. Um, his base attack at times looked huge. It actually started off with hardly um, any uh, base attack in the first sort of month of footy, and then it kind of built in the middle towards the end. So he's 14 base attack with his tackle breaks and offload seems a bit undervalued. He looks like he's more of a 20 per game type of guy with a 50 type of floor plus his try scoring. He showed a lot last year. Didn't score that many tries for a winger. He only went over seven times in his 23 games. Do you see a lot of growth in in someone like Taruva this year? Yeah, 100%. And I think the deciding factor will be who he's paired with. Like, you know, I believe it's going to be Tago. But if it's Taylor May, that could change anything. We haven't seen Taylor May at centre. So that could impact him. And we're not too sure if it's going to be positive or negative. But one thing Taruva was great at last season was just those kick returns, running it hard. He was very good at catching the ball and all all those kind of little things. And I think if he comes out with that same attitude again, um, I, th- I think he could 
almost double the tries that he scored last year. So then if you're sitting here thinking, okay, I think he's got another you know six or seven tries in him, then you add that with his, you know, clutch attack and a bit of his base, then all of a sudden then you go, okay, there's a bit of value here. And five eighteen's not too big of a price. I think yet again, sounded like a broken record. If that draw seemed a bit more open and I thought there was a bit more tries on the horizon for Penrith than at the start then, you know, 518, like he could be a big boss pod move, man, that, you know, to be honest, I really haven't put enough thought into until kind of now. Yeah, I think there is there's certainly some big balls there, but it's it's definitely a pod that could work out. I'm going to be watching, though, and again, I'll do the broken record that both of you have done. That Tigers game, he could actually be a really good trade-in because if he doesn't score a try early on, only, only one or something, like he could mm-hmm. be, you know, 420K going in that Tigers game, going to play around 13. That could be a really juicy uh, pod play to get in on him early because I do think that he's going to improve. I think that he's going to edge towards a 60-point average this year, which is nine points better than what he's priced at. Uh, but, uh, Tim, Mikey mentioned another guy that I- I've got to say I've completely disrespected him because I had him as like a rising gun, but really Isaac Tango is a gun already. He averaged 68 points per game, so I look silly here, but I, I missed out on putting him up a peg. Was it 68 points a game, was it, last year? Wow. Yeah, he absolutely, he absolutely killed it. Um, I loved him as a pod last year, mate, and I, I talked him up on here, but he he's interesting because how he scores his points, he's obviously come from the back row, but he had 10 tries in 14 games. Like That's elite yeah. center territory. Um, but out of those, he had four doubles in 14 games. So he was scoring in bunches, um, and his BBA, his, his base, base attack, it was elite territory as well, 53 points per game. Uh, and year on year, he's gone up 10% as a center. So to me, as a young guy with what he showed last year, like he had a 142-point game versus the Raiders, and he had a 118-point game versus Storm and 108 versus the Dolphins. That's three tons out of 14 games. He seems to have the best in front of him if he stays healthy, and the fact that he's got a really good base, when you have a look at it, you go, geez, like maybe those hard games and stuff don't affect him. He already put up a ton against the Storm last season. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but he's another one of those guys where you look at it and go, oh, he's probably 600K, Tim, but he's actually 700K. Very, very difficult. Yeah, very, very expensive. He's someone I think that now you've mentioned that average. I've always thought he was, like, there's players like him that I haven't owned that I've, like, sort of penciled in that, like, Timiko, sort of similar sort of centres that are just good at running the ball or they just sort of run it from deep out and sort of, know what they're doing. They've already made their mind up that I'm going. And I think I might have to look at him later on for short. I would, If he was 600K, I'd consider starting him round one as a massive pod because I reckon that he's in for a, a very similar year at 68 or more. He's got upside. He could have been better than what he was last year and he still scored 68. Controversial one. I'm going to hurt the Panthers fans right where it hurts, right in the heart. JFH is the heart of that pack. James Fisher-Harris is a legend. He's a fantastic forward, and he's a guy that I constantly see new super coaches throwing in, and I have to say, no, I, I understand he's good, but he's not good for super coach. I'm just going to keep this one real short. His, his high score of 80 last year, his next best was 63, and he hardly ever went 60-plus, hardly at all, and he's got zero tries. He just seems bare bones and bare minimum on minutes. Um, I know he's a front-row forward that's only a little over 500K, which is really what people are searching for, guys. But, Mikey, I always just see him as a bit underwhelming and, and not worthwhile and not value. So, you know, I don't see him as an option anymore for Supercoach. It's a bit sad, Mikey, but 
it's just how it looks. Yeah, I think people looking back at 2021 where he averaged uh, 62 and was a pretty good guy you could have in there and get you those consistent 60s week in, week out. Um, 515 seems pretty cheap, but his minutes aren't going to increase from last year. His role's not going to change from last year. If you were that adamant on starting with like a front row from Penrith, you'd prefer to get Moses Leota at 440K as, you know, he seems to, have, especially from the grand final, seems to have a bit more attacking upside in him uh, for a front rower compared to Fisher-Harris. But I think both of them are in similar categories and just kind of, yeah, there's there's cheaper options that you'd rather take a punt on and you want to get a guy in that front row to get you those solid points but have a bit of value and he just doesn't seem to have it at that price. It's, it's one in five games that he's going 60 plus. It's, he's just got no hope, really. Uh, and we just need to move on from him and move on from his super coach because three years in a row now he's gone downhill and that's not going to change. A couple of cheapies there, Tim. Have you got Liam? Have you got Mav Guy in your side first of all because he's a bottom dollar cheapie? Don't I don't I've got I just don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to get like in named in the. I don't think he'll be on the bench. But that's my vibe. I could be wrong. Is it him versus Liam Henry? Do you think? Yeah, and I think they'll go with Liam Henry. That's just my. Without looking into it too much, that's just my feel. I, I feel like Mav, like if he's coming off the bench, he, you could have him there. You're not going to play him. He'll be, be a slow burn, so he won't get big minutes at all. But uh, he could be handy, you know, at times when injuries happen in the side. Yeah, I mean, Liam Henry's 238,000, so he's not much more than Mav. And in 23 minutes, a 23-minute game last year, he scored 29 points, which is only a small sample. I think he'll be. Pl- I think he'll be a plotter too. Yeah, you reckon he'll be a plotter too? You, do you think? The- yeah, for super coach, yeah, I, I think it. I don't think it'll be a much of a money maker there. What do you think, Mikey? I think very similar. He'll kind of do what Spencer Lenu does. Spencer Lenu is a bit of a bigger body and seems to have a, had a bit more tries in him, but um. Yeah, flicking back to Mav too, like, yeah, you might think both of them are in contention, but at the same time, if someone like Luke Garner went down injured, then, you know, now that Hosking's not there, you could see both of these guys start, then it get a little bit more interesting. But uh, it's it, like, if you needed to, I think there's a lot of better options to, to avoid Liam Henry, but I definitely think, you know, if he wins that spot for round one, they're pretty low on the props. I think um, he could be one that, you know, should stay in the side for quite a bit and be that real slow burn. Um, and then obviously, yeah, they picked up Jordan Grant and Steve Price's son from the Cowboys. So they're probably the, the next two in line in the top 30 that, um, or in development contracts that could be a bit of competition for him. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, it's good because I was looking at it and I wasn't really sure myself because I sort of saw Liam Henry and went, you know what, if he takes Spencer's role, does that mean he's getting an extra eight minutes a game? And that's an extra eight points. And at front row forward, that really helps at a 238,000 price point. Um, but if he's not going to really get more than his 23 minutes a game, then it, or if he's only going to get an extra couple, then it's going to be real slow. But I'm not a Mav fan. Um, Guy is just not going to get enough minutes straight away. And I really hate... Massive fan of the the the, uh, the person, the player and the individual, yes. But not not yet for super coach. I'll wait and... I'll, I'll, I reckon we'll, we'll all want him at some point though this year. Oh, I don't think that I'm game enough to like sledge anyone in the Guy family. So <laughs> I'm a massive right. fan. But they're all great. They're all great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look, Taylor May is another guy that's a mid and, you know, as a mid, he's going to come in and he's going to start at centre. He obviously had a great season on the wing, okay? But the big difference to me is that he's going to be playing centre. He averaged 64 a game on the wing. 
There was a lot to take away from it, though. Like, he showed huge tackle break and offload potential. He had 19 base attack per game in 2010-2, raw base of 29. Now, that raw base probably going to go up to 35. Um, maybe his tackle breaks kind of stay the same. So he could be someone, again, that's got that 50 to 55 floor. But the other thing that's a bit of an issue is that he's coming back and playing a, a different position, and he's also playing a different position as well as being off long-term injured as well. So, Tim, 458000 is actually quite cheap, um, all things considered. So a lot of people have been putting money in their sides. Mm. I initially was standoffish because of the injury, because of going into the centre, because of the draw. But when I had a bit more of a look at the numbers and his potential with his um, base attack, I sort of came around a little bit because of that price point. Yeah, I've got him in my side. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I he loves to work. He loves to take runs. Even though he's not going to be on the wing, he'll still be taking runs in his own end and helping out the forwards there. Um, and then I just I hate to put too much pressure on him, but I can see him sort of doing Tago sort of things as well, going close to the line, knowing that, you know he can do it himself and go up and getting over the line, being a bit elusive. I just I'm pretty I'm pretty big on him. Hey, I think that he's he's going to. He could for at least 50, 55 average. And, you know, could get up to close to that Tago 68 maybe. Yeah, so he's been constantly in and out of my side. But for the past week, uh, he's been back in, uh, wanting to beef up my centre wing a little bit. And, yeah, kind of having a bit more of a harder think. I think since losing Cleary, I was like, I've got to have a Panther. Like, I, I just want a piece of the action. And with Taylor May, I loved, I was all over him. I watched him in the juniors, all over him when he come and played his first season on the wing. And it's important to note that he's put on quite a bit of size in the off season, getting ready for this role. Um, has a bit of, probably his biggest competition for spot would be Paul Adamotti and um, also Jesse McLean, who can also play centers. But I just think like, you know, we've seen the tackle busting ability. We see that he can chuck an offload. It doesn't matter who his winger is beside him because both those guys are very good uh, support runners. And I think no matter which side he's on, uh, you know, those guys are great finishers. So that, that only helps his case. And at 458K, lack of cheapies in that position. I think, you know, he's a pretty, you know, mid range where although that draw looks a bit tough and you got that round six by, at first, I think I was overthinking a little. I'm, I'm just happy to have him in. He's a great quality side. They're going to score points. I think, wouldn't you rather take a risk in a team like Penrith than maybe a team that we're unsure about, like the Tigers, who generally haven't been scoring as many points? So to me, to me, it's a no-brainer. And I was a bit scared at his ownership at 33%, which is making me think, do something else. But sometimes it's not bad to go with the pack because... You know, don't let that alter your decisions all the time. Yeah, I agree. And look, I may not start with him, but where I see him as coming back into my side. Ooh, nice pun. <laughs> pun fully not intended there. Uh, if I don't, though, you know, Taylor May is someone who at 458K, if the if the mids and cheapies that I want don't draw, he's pretty easy to get up to. Like, you're going to have to downgrade someone maybe 80K and be able to upgrade someone else, ADK, and you send a wing that didn't fall into a TLT for round one. But that's pretty easy to do, and I think that's probably what a lot of teams are going to have to look at because I don't think that there's anywhere near the value at all the other options between 400 and 475K. Like that price bracket, I think it basically is may or bust. So if I need to do it and upgrade, uh, I'll look at upgrading to him. But he does come in at a discount, so you're going to get value there, and that's already going to be there. 
Do you need to take a quick break from the footy talk to talk about a brand new partner of the All-Stars podcast? And that is oneworldcourier.com.au. You can jump on One World Courier and have a look, but if you own a business, no matter how small or big, they can take care of all your freight and shipping needs. They also can help you out. Just if you work somewhere and you're in charge of shipping or you need to get courier services done, they're the best in the market. And I'll tell you why One World Courier are the best because they have a platform that basically compares the market, allows you to choose the best service and the best price for you. If you go on there and sign up, then you're eligible to start looking. If you need to ship or courier anything, just go and have a look. They'll give you all the different prices and services that are going to be available for you in your market, and you can just choose the best one for you and the cheapest or the one that you think is going to give you the best service. But I tell you what, when it comes to service, One World Courier will give you the best. They've got five-star service, I guarantee it. And they are fantastic to deal with and really unique in market. They've got that compare the market uh, ability with their platform and everything as well. They also take care of all the shipping and everything as far as making sure you've got a warranty included and they track that shipping from point A to point B to make sure it always gets done great and professionally. So jump on to oneworldcourier.com.au today. When you do, go to sign up just to create an account. If you want to see some of the rates and things to compare them to your current service. And when you do that, there is a referred by box. Just make sure you do referred by all stars. Just all stars is fine. And that way, I guarantee you, they'll give you some of the best service. But also, they'll make sure that you get some of the best rates to start with as well as a referral from the all stars podcast. But go on to oneworldcourier.com.au and sign up today. They'll take great care of you. They'll give you the best rates. And they'll also give you the safest shipping service. Now, back to the footy talk. Uh, look, we need to talk Raiders, guys. I hate to move away from your Panthers. That was going to be the bulk of the talk. I'm going to say up front, Raiders fans, I don't have a great outlook for your team. I don't think that there's heaps of options, so it is going to be a bit shorter. I apologize. A development year. A development year. We're going to build for a big 2025 Supercoach season, but Zach Hosking comes over from the Panthers, and Morgan Smith is from Wigan, and Kyle Weeks from Manly are their biggest signings. Losses, I don't think they really lost a lot, to be honest. Um, you know, Jared Croker retired, but he was hardly playing. Uh, Jack White is going to be the biggest one, and that's going to be quite a big impact. But I, I'm i going to go out there on a limb and just say straight up, I don't have them doing well. I actually think that they're a dark horse for the spoon. I see a big regression from the Raiders. Tim, how do you see the Raiders' season going? Because I've got them pinned at the moment for bottom four, and that's going to really hurt a lot of Raiders fans, and I apologise. <laughs> Yeah, I think on paper, like they, they kind of stand out as one of those teams in contention for bottom four. But then when I was sort of thinking about it, like you had to give them credit to making the eight last year, like started pretty poorly from memory, with quite a few losses in a row. And then just for like the amount of teams that missed the eight last year and then to have made it, you know, they're doing enough right. They, you know, with the games that they lose, they never lose by more than seven points. The games they win, they never win by more than seven. So they seem to be in everything. Jack White is a massive loss to him. Um, just it's a different style of footy that they sort of play, I guess now. And yeah, it is going to be it's going to be a tough year for him. But the, you know the forwards are pretty good. Yeah, Mikey, I think that it's just I hate they do have good forwards. Tim makes a good point, but I just think that they just don't have. They've always lacked a bit of quality in the spine for a number of years. And losing White, and I think he's just a nail in the coffin. Like not like he was in great form, but taking him out. They really don't have a lot in that spine at all, and they don't have much experience there. And I think that's a real killer at NRL level. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I've got them around the bottom four too, but at the same time, 
looking towards the end of the season and they might surprise you and they might be competing for the eight wouldn't surprise me either because they've got such a good forward pack. And I think the Morgan Smithy signing and little tweaks they've done to that, they've only added to their forward pack. But the big question there is, you're right, they're missing a, a quality spine and they're, they've got a lot of good young guns. They played a pretty good trial on the weekend. I uh, know they were playing weaker side, but, you know, a lot of their juniors really stepped up. So the big thing is if uh, these juniors can consistently do it at a higher level and asking some of these guys, especially from the start of the season, they're going to have like, you know, uh, inexperienced, uh, you know, 5'8 and an inexperienced fullback. So it's quite a big ask. And realistically, looking at it from a super coach perspective, I'll be looking at players versing the Raiders and targeting them as captaincy options, just as I feel like they're going to really struggle uh, the first five weeks. I think I wanted to mention, I reckon, now that it's Fogarty's side, it's an interesting lot to see how he goes. Like, I think if he's a good enough footy player that he, like, now it's his side, he could he could sort of uh, exceed expectations, and then that may go a bit better than what we think. But yeah, I think it's going to come down to a lot of how he plays his footy too. Yeah, it's just, it's just so unproven, isn't it? Like I, I really like Fogarty, but he just it's going to be a lot of pressure on him to step up. Like I, I think he might have been better off with a Whiten there or with somebody else here that's got experience, just so it doesn't have to be all on him. But at the moment, he's going to have probably a weeks there and a, a rookie or, or low-game player in at one, and those sort of guys as well are mainly runners too. And then the nine spot's just been a mix of these guys, like Danny Levi coming over from the UK and Starling never really getting a role and Wolford getting like a 20-minute starter role sometimes. It's just a, a bit of a mess. And I, I wonder whether that's going to put too much pressure on the young seven, but we will see. The draw, three out of the verse four are away, and that's not going to help them. Like they do have a really nice home game against the Tigers in round two, and that traditionally has like a lot of points, even though the Tigers are very competitive with them. But the Knights to start off with before the Tigers away, and then the Tigers at home, and then the Warriors away at New Zealand, and then the Sharks away at Shark Park. It's just not a good start for them. They then go into a couple of home games versus the Parramatta Eels and the Titans. They probably have some good points in them, and they hit the Broncos and the Sharks and the Sea Eagles before a bye. So... Having to play those teams early on in the first couple of months, it really doesn't look great for them, and it doesn't look great for them when they're going to have a lot of young, inexperienced guys. And to me, that's probably the tail of their draw in their super coach season. The young, inexperienced guys are going to be the guys that we're going to be aiming for in super coach, I think, and uh, they're going to struggle a little bit at the start, I reckon. Why don't we go straight into the options, okay? Tapani is a big gun option, and I think realistically he's going to be the main one that people might consider as being their raider that's not a cheapie. I've got to say, boys, like I didn't look at big Joe Tapani because I know that he always starts slow, and I say it every year. Like it's, I may as well make a recording and just play it every year for the last four years. They always start Tapani slow. His minutes start slow. And when you're looking at the 22 and 23 seasons, like his round 1 to 10 average is, is a lot lower. It took him to around 11 to actually crack a 70-plus last year. 57 and 62 averages for the first 10 rounds. It's not bad, but it's well. It's definitely below his starting price point. Uh, the first two months, he ended up with a 50-minute average as well, and his season's at 54. So they, they, they just always seem to, to play in between sort of 47 and 50 minutes to start the year, and then it ramps up. But I will say... Mikey, I did look at him because 
I'm being put off by a lot of people about Payne Haas. You know, I'm, I've had Payne Haas there the whole time as an expensive front rower, and I've had to keep finding money, and I've and I've not gotten rid of Haas. But Tarpany is almost 100k cheaper, and I've just started looking at it and going, you know what? Last year he only had one try, one line break, one try assist, and two LBAs. His attack went last year. He's still got the offloads and tackle breaks, but they weren't there at the start of the year either. They seem to come with extra minutes. They've got horse out until round three. That should be extra minutes for Tappany at the start. So I started to talk myself into this narrative, Mikey, that Tappany might buck the trends of the last few years. Uh, if if he does, then you could be onto something there, Barney, because you know it doesn't matter. Especially when you talk about forwards, even with the tougher matchups, they seem to step up a little bit, and maybe with the lack of you know, inexperienced in the backs and stuff like that, then they're going to look to a guy like Tappanay. And might I say on the weekend, he looked amazing. He was so good for the the Maori lineup and kind of, I didn't even once think about him uh, for Supercoach this year till kind of he put his hands up on the weekend. And yeah, if I was kind of comparing Haas to him, like I could just say, well, I could do a lot with that 100K that you'd free up. And he currently sits at 13% in 13% of sides. So People are definitely looking at him, and is it always a guy that ends up in your side? Um, just yeah, if if I'd just be scared if he can't buck that trend, because then am I? If he pumps out the minutes he normally does from the start of the season, am I happy to spend six hundred and fifty-six thousand there, or would I prefer to go down even further and use that money to upgrade elsewhere? And at this point, I'm currently in a situation where yeah, I don't really want to spend above five hundred fifty k in my front rows because I think there's a bit more value this year around the mid-range price, even in the front row compared to what we normally get. Yeah, Timmy, how, how is your front row constructed? Because, I mean, to me, I, I've been all cheaps and mids except for one, and I've been very big on having one foundation guy, and that's what's made me look at Tappany a little bit more. To start the season, I had all guys that were about 400K. I didn't want to have any bottom 200,000 200, price players that they're just going to sit there and quad it like, like the Pelés of last year. But now that some players are presented, like um, Sam Hughes, for example, uh, I'm going with two cheapies at second row, and I'm also going with two players probably around the 400k. I did have Cotter there as my main guy, and I've had to sort of downgrade him to a 400k guy, gone to uh, Terrell main. But I'm not overly confident with it, so I still kind of feel like I want Cotter. I've had him Cotter in my side all pre-season, and I feel like like he's a type of guy that at his price of five, I think it's like five fifty or five forty or something. Um, I feel like he could get seventies, you know what I mean? And he's at least gonna get me fifties. So I'd like to find a way to get back him back in my side. Yeah, I do think it's important. I mean, I, I don't I don't, I'm not a Cotter fan, but my equivalent was having uh, Max King a lot of the time and he, I ended up going, you know. Mm, yeah, similar price. So yeah. it's it's just one of those things where he's tapping in worth the extra hundred odd K. Uh, and I will say those first couple of weeks, like he plays the Knights who he used to play for and really fires up when he plays them because it was a bit of a um, controversial uh, leaving of the Knights, I believe. And then he plays the Tigers at GIO Stadium where if he is offloading and he's playing bigger minutes those couple of games, it could be a good start to the season. And I do think that he's going to drop. Like I think a lot of people will be in the boats that we're talking about that are going... I need to get. I just need to lose some money in front row to put it elsewhere because things aren't falling how I had my team. I can't afford to pay Big Joe. I actually reckon he'll be about eight or nine percent ownership. And if he is, I'm going to be very tempted to go to Payne Haas. Payne Haas to him, like Mikey, Tim, 
I'll go to Mikey first. If you were going to spend on someone, like benchmarking him against the guys that are sort of 600 plus, do you think it's, you know, would you gravitate towards paying less for a Tapani over a house or, or over a Tino? Yeah, d- depending on what you're going to do with the money. Like if you need to use that money to maybe upgrade to a 600K center wing or to fix a cheapy problem, then yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a bit off Haas this season. So that's also probably why my answer is going to favor to it. Just from the start, I think with all the, you know, you want to get all these Hines and you want two gun fullbacks. And if you don't want Paps and you've got to spend over 800K for both of them, you can't afford to do what you normally do and like plug a Harry Grant, a Payne Haas. It's, I'm finding it near impossible to do that, yet have a well-balanced side of 25 fit players. Uh, and that doesn't include if I'm going to start with any Tigers. So I feel like that's a real big juggle this year compared to what we have over most years, which I'm kind of enjoying and hating at the same time. Uh, so I think that's that's the challenge there. But yeah, like I would probably lean to a guy like Tarpane over Haas to start. I think that 100K uh, would definitely be well used. To support your narrative on tar, um, Tapine or Tarpany, I don't know which way they're going with it these days, but um, <laughs> he, he maybe his attack does come more into it with, you know, more junior players in the in the back line. Maybe they sort of play a bit more through the middle and attack attacking footy and chance their hand and allow him to sort of off one a bit more. Because last season, remember everyone just watching week after week, he was consistently getting the 60s and it's like all he's got to do is have that one attacking play that we know he's got it in him. But it just seemed to be put away. So maybe it does come out. Um, but yeah, like Mikey was saying, I can't seem to spend up for a premium price. I like paying, paying house as much as I'd love to have him. And I'm more inclined to go down to the some of the 400k options. Yeah, and I, I, I want to avoid that this year. So I'm I'm definitely going to spend on one spot in the front row forward because I just think it can... Mm. If, if you end up with like two of your four front rows on the bench and they're not getting minutes or three of the four even, then you just get... It's pretty hard to start a bench front row in your seventeen. So it's, I'm I'm putting it on if Tappany gets the minutes early and he doesn't start with slow minutes, then I'm I think that he could be up there at the start with the tier one options almost. So I'm actually considering him a fair bit if I'm going to spend on one of those spots, and I am going to spend on one of those spots. So I'm keen. I'm looking. Uh, but he is going to have to buck the trends. He only scored the one try last year. I'm looking for that to pick up as well. I'm going to just do an appreciation 30 seconds on horse, guys. Um, it's almost an in memoriam because he is dead for round one. He's out until round, he's out for a few weeks to start with, out until round three, I believe. Uh, horse has been one of my favorite players for a few years. I've been waiting for him to come through. I've been riding that horse. I'm the jockey whipping him. And last year, he actually came through and he went sensational. The first five rounds, he only played 38 minutes a game. So I'm just going to go out there and say, like, he's going to be an option when he comes back because. His average goes up to nearly 68 points per game when he's playing 60-plus, and that was basically his role. So he's already undervalued at his 62 points per game by 10%, and we get to have a look at him when he comes back, and he could be a nice downgrade from one of these other guns if they're not firing or something. So I just I think we all just need to say our mentor horse's big season and the fact that I'm going to target him at the end of drafts because people are going to forget about it because he's not playing around one. Yeah, he does have the jewel this year too, which is a little bit annoying, but that's fine. Yep. Love me some horse. Hudson Young, Mikey. Only nine tries in 2023. 14 tries in 2022. So if anyone's looking at him and wondering, why did Hudson Young get so cheap for round one this year? That's exactly why. Yeah, he lost all that attack. Um, Played 23 games, which is great. But he's going to come in 
in 2024 in the 500s. And that almost presents value if you think that he can get a few tries back. Yeah, good call. I don't believe so. I'm a bit worried about that uh, Knights, uh, the Raiders side, so that's why I'm not going in. But at 579000 he's actually one of those fallen guns that's quite cheap. Um, he did have a big drop in his scoring stats overall. So he went from 14 per game in clutch attack, so his line breaks, assists and tries, to nine. And he also dropped in his base and base attack a few points. So I I have been a Hudson Young for a couple of years, Mikey. His numbers have been good, but all of a sudden in a Raiders side that's going to struggle for a second row that I like because of his attack, it just doesn't make sense to consider him. But, geez, he's coming in cheap. Yeah, the price definitely, you know, get, you know, makes you want to consider him. I actually didn't have Horsra last year, and instead I had Hudson Young for kind of the end bit, hoping that he'd just increase his tries. And although he started to score a couple, um, he was either getting them for a kicks or – was just getting a, he'd get a try early on and be like, yes, 80 plus, And then he'd score you like 65, 67. I'd be like, oh, so he's, he's frustrating to own at the same time. And then if we're worried about the Raiders spine, then I'm like, oh, then, you know, firstly is, is who's going to be feeding him the ball. And secondly, like, does that, how can I be so confident that he's going to increase in tries? If I'm a little bit worried about how the Raiders attack is going to go. Uh, don't get me wrong. Hudson Young's that kind of guy that can make something out of nothing and got great tackle busting ability. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that you'd want to target after you kind of see how Raiders go and when they have a really nice, you know, two or three run draw where, you know, uh, they're versing someone that leaked quite a few tries to his edge. Yeah, and that that probably hits it on the head as well. I mean, it's, it's also tricky buys for the Raiders. Like, guys like him, like, I think he's lost his origin jersey, but Tim, like, they've got a round 10 buy. They play round 13, which is a big buy around, which is useful. But then they have a round 14 buy as well. Like, they've just got a really tricky period where they kind of start a bit um, rough and then they've got those couple of buys within a month. It's it's just real tricky looking at these Raiders players. I reckon, though, Tim, you would have had Hudson Young in your side a few times before. And he is fun to own when he's scoring. But down from 67 to 57 points per game, I'd normally be all over him. I reckon you would too, Tim. But I just don't think he's going to get those 10 points a game back. Yeah, I did. I have only one. I think it was in 2022, the year after I won. And I went to him instead of Tarpany. And I did it just at the last minute. And um, Tarpany went on and started killing it that year. Um, so that was annoying to have him at that period. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's mad. But there's, I agree with everything that Mikey said. There's too much unknown at the moment. Just with the attack, not, you know, you, put, you want to target players that are going to, you know, being really good attacking sides more often than not, unless there's just a lot of value there. And yeah, I think there's better options. Yeah, so forward wise, get the guy in Tapani who only had one try last year and was still good, not the guy that had nine tries and was still no good out of the forward pack. Yeah. <laughs> Tomoko, he was a rising gun and he's in he's the one that heads our rising gun category. He went up from forty five points per game in twenty twenty two to fifty eight points per game. And subsequently he comes in at five hundred and eighty seven thousand. That's a that's an okay price to consider having a having a crack at someone more expensive in your centre wing, uh, but look, it, it's going to sound like a broken record, guys, isn't it? But again, if you're getting someone in the back line in a Raiders side that looks like they're going to struggle and attack with a lot of rookies and, and a poor spine, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, Tomoko looked really good at times last year, even when the Raiders struggled. I will say with him, like he didn't score too many tries. Like I, I think that he can do the same. And his base, base attack was the best thing. Like he had a 32 raw base, 17 base attack. So he had a 49 floor 
and he didn't really score that many tries. So I, I do like him to be able to be one of those guys that's really reliable in the center wing. And, but he needed to be cheaper than 587. And even then, I think that I would have too many question marks, Tim, on the on the Raiders' attack to go for any of these guys that weren't, you know, two to 300,000. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. He's like, he's a good individualist when it's when they're close to the line. He just gets the ball and sort of does a bit of shake and bake and puts something on. Yeah, but would you say almost 580, 580k? That's that's a lot to pay. I'd be looking elsewhere for sure. There's a lot of like, I think, similar sort of price in the centers. You can get like Hammer, Roger Tua, Barca, Jack, Taylor May for 450. Those sorts of guys. Yeah. So what 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 other options are appeal a bit more there? Mikey, do you think that these Raiders, we're going to talk mids and cheapies, so I'm going to assume that you feel the same about Tomoko, so please tell me and Tim if you don't. But no, yeah, I agree. The Raiders' backs, like the ones that are between two and 300,000, like I know like, even I've looked at Cottridge, he only had three tries in 12 games last year, which was awful, but I don't see him being able to score more. And then you, that's if he wins the spot over Hopalati. And then you look at guys like Strange and Savage and Chevy Stewart, they're all in that cheap category, and we're probably going to have to plug some of these guys in. But I think if we just talk about that, those these backline cheapies all at once, um, it's a bit of a worry for me because I think that it might take a bit of time for them to make some money. I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that with the Raiders early on. Predominantly the last couple of years, Mikey, they haven't really had a lot of um, really high-scoring center wing options. They tend to get their points from forwards and other ways. Yeah, totally, totally agree. But as you said, we're going to have to pick at least one from these. You know, I'm not including KO Weeks here. I'm just mainly talking about the center wings because there's so many options. Yep. And it looks like from round one, we'll get about two of them. But they're going to be playing like a game of Russian roulette. And at any point, if they get pumped by the Knights, come out and get shook by the Tigers, then Ricky Stewart's going to probably start hitting panic buttons. And before we might even get a rise out of some of these guys, you might have to switch him around. So I guess all we've kind of got to watch is I watched their Raiders trial pretty closely. And all of a sudden, James Schiller comes crashing into contentions. And it looks like out of all of them, mm. he's the very best. And at this point in time, I, I, I'm avoiding Chevy Stewart. I didn't like the look of him. Avoiding Strange. At the moment, if I've got to pick one, I've got James Schiller ahead of even Kotrick. Just um, based of his ability on the week. And I think... You know, if we can see even that just happen once in a game, that's going to be at least 30 to 40 super coach points, especially if he can score. Um, in a perfect world, if we got some surprise cheapies, I'd like to avoid all of them. And then when it comes to their third game, then jump on the one that looks the best. And then we might have a bit of a telling story. But time and time again, like when can you trust Ricky? Like every now and then he likes to have a center wing on his bench and kill everything, which is what he did with Schiller a bit last year, which is also why... He probably does come down a bit cheaper, but um, yeah, it's 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 a worry because let's face it, you're going to have to pick at least one. Yeah, Tim, I, I think that we we have to put some of these guys in that are 200 to 250k if we don't get any other cheapies. But I'm in agreement with Mikey. Look, if you if we've got other options that do fall in place, I'm going to leave these Raiders because it's a really yeah. good point that Mikey made that. We could end up with one of them on the bench. Like Rappano ended up on the bench a heap at different times. Like it just it just kills these guys. So I don't think that we're going to have the luxury. I think that we're going to have to pick. Like if Chevy Stewart's starting at fullback, like I am going to pick him because he's just over two hundred k. Like I have to basically. Yeah. But it's not going to be an easy ride, and teams probably need to set their expectations and be on the lookout round one if there is other options to choose those over the Raiders. I reckon. 
if he does start, which it looks it's a little bit in doubt now after the team's list of job for this week, it looks like maybe they're going to go with Albert Hopawadi. Um, but if he did start, like I'd be super stoked to have him there, like a, a fullback at bottom dollar. That's pretty awesome, even if he's in a struggling side and he's a rookie. Um, yeah, I, I think if some of these other options that come available, like um, Eero from the Sharks, you plug him straight in. Like he's not in my side at the moment. So I'd rather, I'd rather have some of these um, Raiders that are going to get named, even if I don't think they're that promising. At you know, over Eero who's not named, for instance. You know what I mean? I think the important thing to note with Chevy Stewart that we might be forgetting is that uh, Sebastian Chris is going to come back into that lineup at round three. So that's what kind of really scares me about Chevy Stewart. Yes. Um, because you've got to pick the player and where he's going to come back at. Is mm. he going to come back to playing fullback or is he going to go to center? And I think uh, looking at Chevy, very good in attack, but struggled a bit in, uh, sorry, he looked very good in defense, but struggled a bit in attack. So well, that could be the same for Schiller. That could be for the problem with all of them too. Yeah, I like the look of Schiller, exactly. Though. Yeah, but maybe they back a guy with experience rather than Chevy that doesn't, you know, doesn't have any experience. So they might plug Chris into that role. But see, it's it's a roulette, Russian roulette, man. Just on gut five, like watching Schiller score that try, he his body shape looks really ready for first grade. Yeah, it and does. I, when I looked at him, my first um, thought was he reminded me of Sean Kenny Dale. And I was like, that that body shape's ready to go. I, I just reckon he'll be in there first. You've got me fired up now, Tim. I'm yeah, ready for it. <laughs> round one, I reckon <laughs> he'll be there. Just his body shape seems right. With all the other smaller bodies there, like Cal Weeks is very, you know, tiny. Um, I know he's 5'8", but like that, that's a tiny body there. Um, if you're going to go with Savage, that's another tiny body on the wing. Like he's He's at least got a little bit of, you know, He's been, he's been Savage is also going to come in at 350k. It's just it's a really good, bit awkward of a price point, isn't it? Yeah, because awkwardish. Yeah, he's not, never been in my side. He's, he's off a 49 average, and like that's he'd probably do well to get that at the moment at that Raiders side. So it's it's just one of those things where the super coach gods have absolutely killed us. They're, they're actually playing a cruel joke. They're going to give us all these Raiders cheapies, make us put them in the, our sides, and they're going to stink it up. Look. We almost have to pick them if they're the only ones. So you have yeah, to put exactly. them in, yeah. uh, and that's fine. I'm not going to tell people not to, but I will say, like, it is going to change strategies a fair bit because to me, I don't want to start any of these guys. And in other years, you normally start like one or two cheap sort of guys in your starting 17 in your center wing. I don't want to do that with any of these because you can get a nine out of one of them, uh, and it's just it's more prevalent to happen looking at this Raiders team and these Raiders players. Or you could get someone put on the bench at the last minute. Uh, so I'm actually going to be looking to change my strategy a bit. Oh, if this happens and we don't have these other cheapies, Tim, I'm going to actually spend in center wing a lot more than what I normally yeah. do. So I've got um, like a premium price guy there. And then I've got Taylor May. And then two, I've got Hutchison, center wing and Zeri there. And I feel like I'm happy enough to play those four. And then I've got like Schiller and Strange. I'm thinking Strange might be awkward too. He's been playing it. Halfback in um, in the trial, he's obviously not going to beat him if Fog Dog comes back. So, what do they do with him? Is he going to go to one of the center spots? Maybe he's just on the, maybe he's that weird bench. He could be the perfect like bench guy for them. The utility because he covers a lot of positions, but that's also very awkward for Super Coach and going to be slow burning and not nice. So, but you might just have to just plug him in if there is no better ones there. Oh. 
Mikey, Kaya Weeks is someone that you mentioned, and I look at him differently because he's a he can be put in at 5'8", and 5'8 is such a troublesome position that I'm more than happy to have him there as a second one at 273,000. I think that he did show some glimpses at Manly, um, but even him, it's a bit sight unseen because even though he's pretty cheap and you can put him in at six, which is a, a big bonus, he's someone who we saw him play round six last year at 5'8", and he scored 24 points in 80 minutes. It is only one game, so he can't take much away from it. it. It was versus Penrith. I believe Manly got flogged as well. But, like, we don't even have much of a sample size with Weeks. Uh, even though he looked good at times, it was at different positions, and it's not going to be in a side as good as what the Manly side is. So he even looks risky, but I, I've got him straight in at six just as a second six because I just don't think you can spend on two sixes, Mikey, and he's the obvious one to put there as the cheapest. Yeah, he's only coming to my side in the last week. I was really unsure of him. He didn't really, like, he had such big height when coming in at Manly, come in, didn't really impress me. Um, and then goes over to the Raiders, and I thought kind of the same thing. And then on the weekend, I thought he was one of their better players and just looked looked quick, looked agile, scored a try. Bobbing about, yeah, I liked him too. Yeah, and, and th- that kind of made me re-advise it because I had Caesar in at the point, and I was happy just to have Caesar there as a loop option for the first round as I like a lot of the captaincy and BC options. And then I was like, Hang on, he looked pretty good. Um, you know, tends if he does win that spot, like that's seventy or sixty to seventy k that I saved going Caesar down to weeks. I was like, I think you got to take the punt. He's like one of the highest owned cheapies, and um, the fact that he had a go and looked too bad. I think, like you said, it's too hard to spend up big at that second five eight spot. So I've got him penciled into, and um, yeah, I'll be watching him closely again this weekend. They do have a couple of forwards that are um, going to be cheap to mid. Uh, Smithies and, and Mariota look like they might be getting rolls. Smithies looks a bit uh, trappish. He, he look, looks like a good mould for Supercoach. It's funny he's playing for the Raiders because there could be a bit of Sean Fensum about him. He's certainly a worker and not a try scorer. I think he was like two tries in 100 games or something in the UK. He's going to get it all basically base. But I think he might end up really trappish because when you have a look at Smithies, he's probably got a good chance at starting at 13 for round one. Uh, and at 345,000, that looks great. But then you're going to have Horse come back after two games. So maybe you get a one decent rise and a, a second not much rise out of him at all. And you're like 50K up or something. And he's then he's on the bench and he starts losing the money again. Um, so he looks like a, he looks pretty trappish to me. If we knew that he had that 13 roll, Tim, then he looks a, a lot better. But the reason I bring up Mariota is because Mariota's a uh, possible front row starter on some team because Papa Lee is going to be on the bench. I see him a lot more appealing um, as a slow burn, but 255000 as a front row forward. If we don't get other ones for that we're hoping for, we might have to take something like that if he's starting because I don't think he'll go very well, but he only is priced on 24 minutes a game. And I expect him to play limited minutes, Tim. But if he goes up to, say, 35 points a game, he's going up 10 or 11 points of value. And that might be a, a, a decent, optimistic look. But even at 30 minutes, you're going to have half a dozen points there. And that's a slow burn, but it might be one that we have to take. But all of that's obviously hoping that Papa Lee's on the bench with with these sort of guys getting a role as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... So with Mariota, I guess if you if you say one of these other like something happens to Xavier Wilson, he's not available to play or something, someone I'm kinda of keen on as well. And you have to plug him um Mariota in there. 
I'd be a little bit feeling reluctant because like that, I'm kind of don't really want that sort of player in my side that's sort of slow burning and but if you had to and the rest of your team, team structure just looks so good and you just have to plug him in there just to fit everything in then I'd be okay with it but um Smithies yeah I, I was like big on him when I first heard about him but then when the, um, people dug up that he hadn't had much attack in his game I was a bit more off him my first thought is he might be like this year's um hop good um, but no, that was a bit hopeful, I think. So yeah, I'm I'm not too big on him, especially considering what you mentioned with the um, the trap of him, you know, him possibly starting and then Force coming back to take his spot. Well, Mikey Gula might end up getting the job too, and that just sort of kills us even looking at these guys as well. Have you have you checked out Smithies and Mariota? Have you been looking at them at all? Not much Mariota. Smithies, yeah, he's been constantly in and out of my side. It's also important to note, I got trapped pretty hard last year uh, with Pasami Solo, got a call up for round one, and he was starting prop, and I jagged on him, and there was maybe the buy period where he scored me the odd 60, but apart from that, he was a guy that actually stayed with my side 90% of the year, and I couldn't get rid of him, and he was the ultimate slow burn, and I think Mariota would just be very similar, and then where's Pasami Solo fit into it? Like, he played in their team a lot last year. Like he probably comes into it, but yeah, I reckon, you know, Emre Gould is this guy that's been around that pack for quite a while. So I seem to think they'll favor him and going back to Smithies. I'm not really worried about the attack. I'm all for a meat and potatoes second rower, especially at uh, 340 or 50 K wherever he is. But yeah, I'm just scared and worried about those minutes and putting someone in knowing that they've uh, got people to come back like the horse. Uh, who was getting big minutes last year, I'm worried. But looking at the sample size and uh, some highlight reels of Smithies, uh, I think he'll really suit the NRL. And the Raiders just seem to have a nick of finding these really good uh, English forwards. So I, I seem to trust Ricky and his picks at the moment anyways. But yeah, it's 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 hard to, to pick him from round one. But he has been in and out of my side just because the price is right. You can save about 100K instead of going like a kick out and going Smithies. But he comes with a lot more risk. Yeah, they seem to keep like keg the warm beer and have a lot of roommates that are also from the UK and stuff and make them feel right at home over there because Canberra just seems to keep getting these blokes. But I don't I don't want to sound like I'm saying that Marriott is a big option either. Like I just it's one of those things where I absolutely hate any bench front row forwards. Like I hate having any of them in my team. And I think that they're some of the worst mistakes that you can make is grabbing these guys. And you make a really good point with Solo because Ricky's got this habit forever and a day and I'm, I'm trying to remember the guy from like five years ago he had like a fridge head and he was like a bit of a fridge like a Papa Lee type of build and he would start and he would still only play like 23 minutes for the whole game even though he was a starting front rower like it, Ricky's just got this all over him in his game plans all the time and he's always got all these different forwards and there's there only seems to be a few constants you know you're going to get Hudson Young playing big minutes you're going to get at his 80 minutes. You're going to get Whitehead playing big minutes, even though he shouldn't be, but he always does. And he probably shouldn't have been for two years and he keeps doing it. And you're going to get Horse playing big minutes because that was his role all through last year. And he's very good. Um, arguably their best forward along with Tuppany definitely is. Now, other than that, it just seems to be a bit of a lottery. So I, I, it's just one of those things where I think that we, we have a potential, Tim, of getting to a point where we get to TLT and there's a possibility that we might have to make a decision. Do we pay up at front row forward? Do we have three guys that are sort of 
400k plus or even four of them yeah. or do we go you know what i'm going to take hit i'm going to put a mario to there because there's nobody else that's cheap and i'm just going to do it you know i think that a few of us could be faced with that decision if tlt doesn't fall our way well initially i wanted four playable props um then i went down to th- the idea of just three and now i'm at two but i feel like i'm okay with that because i'm kind of confident in sam hughes or what i've seen him i feel like you're going to get Enough minutes. If you had to play him one week, he'll get you forty. Yeah, I agree. Same could be said about who you said before, Timmy and Xavier Willison. So, I feel like some of these guys might be the option because although you might have a bit of this hole in front row, I think we could also have the same problem in center uh, center wing or second row come TLT because some of these mid rangers are picking up injuries now, and that's a problem. You, it's about trying to have a well balanced side, but you can only fix so many problems. So. Uh, that's just why, to me, uh, you'd rather fix up the positions with uh, the high prolific to score. So the centre wing kind of to the front row, but it's definitely going to be a selection headache to us with the split and our all rounds. It's going to make it even harder. It is. It's going to be a really hard start to the season, actually. I think it's going to be hard for teams to build um, and even harder when TLT hits. So Marriott is definitely behind a heap of guys. So certain, I've got Hughes and I've got Billison. And there's no way I would swap either of those guys for Mariota. But if Mariota ends up the only one that's cheap because Willison gets hurt or something and then uh, Sam Hughes ends up somehow not in the 17, which I don't think will happen. But if this sort of stuff does, I will absolutely hate myself for looking at Mariota, but I will have to look at him again. But until then, I think that that is the Raiders done and the podcast done. And I'm just going to say to finish up before we do close up on the Raiders, I think we all need to apologise to Raiders fans, guys, because it's just not very optimistic for them, what we've talked about. But it's got to be a development year, right, Tim? Like, you just got to look forward to watching the young guys play and these guys maybe being options next year or surprising us. And I think that the big thing, Tim, is that they can be real good options after round one because some of these guys, if you see them go well for two weeks and get a really good job security from Ricky, they're going to be really good downgrade options for other positions that we stuff up. Yeah, and, yeah, I think for Raiders fans, you know, there's a lot to be excited about with these young fellas. And also, too, you know, being the underdog is, and not having that expectation, every wins, you know, you feel even more special about, too, along the way. So um, they might surprise a lot of people and be that side that a lot of people are riding off that still end up, you know, being on the... Oh, so I really doubt that that make me hate, but maybe they, you know, aren't looking for. Uh, Mikey, even the Mighty Ducks got to the finals and won the championship. So, you know, we can't write off any sporting team. But, Mikey, I do appreciate you coming on, mate. Great to have you. And um, we'll get you on again for the All-Stars podcast. But good luck for round one. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on as usual. And, yeah, I think we'll have to do a bit of exchange. We'll have to get you back on the SC experience. Uh, me and Jake are doing a bit of a side thing now. So we'll be able to get you on where you don't have to leave your house, bro. So uh, looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely hit me up for that one. And Tim, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know that you go around to a couple of the podcasts. You're on Wilford's Champions one as well. So appreciate you jumping on this one and giving me your prior champion knowledge yourself and also uh, your Penrith Inside info. My pleasure, man. Thanks again. No problem. Well, everyone, make sure you tune into the to their C Experience podcast because that is awesome. And you can ever watch those boys. If you like the visuals, jump on YouTube and subscribe to their show on there. It is fantastic. But for us... Jump on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Amazon, everywhere. Make sure that you subscribe, though, so you just get the episodes straight away. Also, make sure that you share them around. Been great getting all the new listeners in again this year and the new super coaches on board. 
Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Jump on One World Courier. If you've got a business or you work for a business that needs some courier or shipping services, One World Courier is your team to go and get in touch with. And as well as that Picklebet, great betting partner of the All-Stars podcast. All-Stars is your promo code. We have footy this weekend. We have the World Club Challenge, which is great. We've got trials. The following weekend, we have actual rugby league that matters as well with four teams playing round one. It is exciting times. Enjoy watching the footy this weekend. Enjoy putting your teams together. We'll be chatting again about another team preview real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play.